Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast. It's Monday, February 15th. Let me check the temperature at this moment. Oh, it's warmed up to minus six. I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Today, we get a week after perspective on the Chiefs' Super Bowl loss. The Tampa Bay Bucks are taking their victory laps, as the Chiefs did this time last year. And star columnists Sam Mellinger and Vahe Gregorian are here to provide some thoughts and conclusions now that we've had a week to think about what happened on that night in Tampa. After a break, we pick up on some big Royals news, the three-way trade that brought left fielder Andrew Benintendi to Kansas City. The move is getting universal approval in Kansas City, but let's hear what Vahe and Sam had to say. But let's get started talking Chiefs. You know, we haven't talked since the Super Bowl, and or about uh, the Chiefs, I should say. We haven't talked about the Chiefs since the Super Bowl, and um, I, I wanted to, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on uh, on the aftermath. Now that we've had a week to consider it, and uh, I, I, w- I wanted to speak further with uh, with Herbie Teope and Sam McDowell later this week about some specific moves we think the Chiefs should make in the off season, but just the the Looking back on what happened on Super Bowl Sunday, I, I, I won't speak for you, but the more I think about it, the more surprised I am that, that it happened in the way that it did. And, um, and, and you know, the, the only, I mean, so-called blowout in Patrick Mahomes' career happened in, the, in that game. I can think of some reasons why it happened, and, and I guess the Chiefs are having to consider how it won't happen again. But uh, let, let, let me get your week after thoughts on the Super Bowl. Just generally speaking, um, uh, Bahe, hey, we'll, we'll start with you. Do you, um, are you are you as surprised today as you were as it was unfolding? Yeah, I, I was. Maybe we talked about it that night, but if, if somebody told me the score was going to be 31 to 9, I would have said, boy, the Chiefs really played well. Um, you know, I just I would never have seen it going that way at all. Based on what you said before, Blair, we I think it's we've never seen Patrick Mahomes uh, quarterback team with the Chiefs lose by more than one score. Um, and so that was that was stunning. Uh, I do think the farther even the farther away we get from it, the more we realize that the line situation was just untenable, um, that it got to that place that was one too many changes, one too many injuries that sort of let the dam break. I mean, that, that's how it seemed to me. There is a, a video. I didn't have it in my heart to retweet it because it 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 uh, it's a little bit sort of snarky fun, but it, but that's what this is all about. Um, and you guys may have seen it. It's a, kind of a mock up. I don't know who made it exactly, but the whole thing is Mahomes just getting swarmed every second, every play. And it it at one point it's it's you know set up by a guy like dressed as Mahomes and like some of his friends swamping him and one t- one play they dress up as referees running at him throwing flags at him but there's one <laughs> one play where he does like a slow motion flip and throws the ball and then they show the, the sequence they just show it you know just another ball going through somebody's hands and I think it's set to uh actual uh, uh narration from the game um and I I do feel like even though it's a a, a you know humorous thing I do feel like that was like yeah that's the takeaway from the game now, look, there's always sequences in games that I think let the dominoes fall. You don't know how the game, how it affects how the rest of the game would go. 
And that was one bizarre sequence of stuff with the penalties um, and, you know, offsetting the the punt and all those things at once. Um, Interception callback for another penalty, uh, several penalties that really were not penalties. I mean, it's that – Sam always uses this term. It's true. If you get into the officiating too much, it's the ballad of the loser. And I remember Sam also you saying this, and this was spot on that you, you, you played too poorly to be able to say that the penalties killed you. But um, all those things rolled together in such a way that, that, that we haven't seen that, that kind of thing happen with, with these chiefs and they just couldn't overcome it. You, you know, one thing that strikes me is two weeks earlier, they played a great game against the Bills, and our thinking was, you know, the Bills might be the second best team in the NFL. Heck with the Bucks. Uh, the, the Bills are the team. And after that early, you know, muffed, uh, muffed uh, punt by uh, by McCole Hardman that led to the short Buffalo touchdown, the Chiefs just rolled. I mean, thirty. I think it was thirty-one unanswered, and the defense played well. Mahomes, the, the offense was clicking, and. Um, I suppose now in hindsight that uh, that maybe it was uh, the worst thing for the Chiefs going into the Super Bowl was they have, you know, like the Bills, they had played Buffalo earlier in the year and it didn't seem to matter. But it mattered this time that they had played the Bucks because I think the Bucks went to school on on what they thought was a, a loss that they shouldn't have had. And I don't, I don't know if the Chiefs made – much in the way of adjustments to the Bucks, but we know the Bucks absolutely made adjustments against the Chiefs. Don't you think, Sam? Yeah. I mean, I, I thought that um, I, I would echo every, like literally like every word that Vahe just said, but um, Todd Bowles, like, I mean, that, that, that is an all time performance by defensive coordinator. Um, like I, I really believe kind of a, a similar way that people still talk about Bill Belichick when he was the DC for the giants and they shut down, uh, you know, the, what was it? The K gun. Is that what they called the bills back in the day? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and then, uh, and then Spagnolo, you know, with what he did against the, you know, then 18 and 0 Patriots. I think this is in that class. Uh, and, and Todd Bowles maybe had a little bit of an easier go at it just because of what the chiefs were dealing with across the offensive line. But um, you know, the way that they attacked <clears throat> um, and the way that I was watching one of those mic'd up last night, the way that, Shaq Barrett and JPP were talking to each other and communicating. I'm going to go high. You can go low on this one. You know, we'll meet like it was masterful. And, and what the bucks did in the back end um, was incredible. Um, taken across, the, taken away the top and some of the sideline stuff. And I thought Levante David was as good as a linebacker can be in that game. Devin white as well. Um, you know, of, because you can do that, right? Like, Teams can take away, you know, NFL teams are good enough. They can take away Tyree Kill going deep if they want to. Um, but then that means Travis Kelsey is going to have 15 catches for 184 yards and three touchdowns, right? But those linebackers were so good against Kelsey that, that the Chiefs never could do that. So um, I, I just thought Todd Bowles, like, wrecked the game. I, I, he, he was he was absolutely incredible. Um, and then the, my other two takeaways with this distance, I, I feel like every day that goes by – I feel like Mahomes played better than I did the day before. Uh, I mean, if if the Chiefs just catch balls that hit them in the hands or face mask, um, I think that game goes a lot differently. You know what I mean? That, that, that throw that Mahomes made 
the the reason that on that video that Vahe was just talking about that, that he did like the the flip, you know, that sideways like Spider-Man throw. Um, that is one of the best throws I've ever seen in football. That that was unbelievable. And then for just to like hit Daryl Williams in the face mask was just, you know, if you wanted one just glimpse, if you wanted the Super Bowl in seven seconds or however long that play took, like that's the one. Mahomes gets crushed, does something crazy anyway, ball bounces off the face mask. And and the other thing that I, th- I, I think more and more each day is um, – I think what happened with um, the, the the accident um, with Britt, Britt Reed and um, that little gorgeous five-year-old girl um, is, I, I think that that had a bigger impact the, the more that I go away from it, just because, you know, they, they were flat, they didn't adjust, you know. Um, so that's, that's, those are the things I think differently now than I did a week ago. I, I think the, just the the dropping or not not catching passes is a, is a lack of concentration and focus, yep. and I wondered about the the Chiefs' concentration and focus and the lack of adjustments. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. On on Friday and Saturday uh, before yep. the you know, before the game. The other the other thing that's come out of the the loss is the accelerated idea of position group you know attention. You know what what. Uh, as the Chiefs go forward, what needs to be done? And I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way: um, after after they lost the AFC Championship game in 2018, they basically changed the defense. Right? New coordinator. I think it was seven starters gone, including you know all timers like Justin Houston and Eric Berry. You know, kicking uh, Alan Bailey and D Ford, and it was just a wholesale changes on on defense. And after 2019, no changes. At least. You know, that was the plan after winning the Super Bowl. You're going to run it back and keep keep what you got. And so my question is, after 2020, are, are we going to see more of a post-2018 or a post-2019 approach or somewhere in between some kind of mix of those, keeping in mind that there are about 24, was it 24 free agents on the roster here? The Chiefs are going to have to make some kind of decision on. Um, like I said, we'll talk to Herbie and Sam McDowell later this week, maybe breaking down the players individually. But uh, a, a lot of these are concentrated in position groups, offensive line, for instance, and and uh, and the cornerback group. So is, is this what we're looking at with the Chiefs? Are they going to have to make some big adjustments on offensive line and and with their and their defensive backs, or uh, do they do they make a lot of these guys priority signings and 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 bring back, uh, you know, a Mike Remmers, um, Kalechi Assembly. He's, he's, you know, he's on the list. Uh, Andrew Wiley, uh, also a free agent. So they're, they're going to have to make some, they're going to make some decisions on these guys. Was the Super Bowl loss alarming enough, Sam? That that uh, we might see some big changes in these position groups. Yeah, I, I think the answer is yes, um, and I think it's yes specifically because the way that they've done it. Um, is they, they invest in the tackles and then they try to make it work on the inside. And um, Eric Fisher, that, that's an 11-month recovery on an average. Um, so that wipes out most of, if not possibly all of, Eric Fisher's 21 season. Um, Mitchell Schwartz, I don't think the Chiefs can operate 
you know, confidently thinking that Mitchell Schwartz is going to start for them at right tackle. Uh, you know, I mean, that took out the last, what, 14 weeks of his season after, um, you know, week six. Yeah, including the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> so you're almost starting from scratch, you know. I mean, nothing against any of those other guys, but those are kind of replacement level guys that we're talking about with Remmers and Wiley and Ryder and all these guys. They're, they're fine. But the reason that, that line worked is because they had these studs at tackle. Now, LDT, you know, by all accounts, um, planning on coming back. Um, and uh, Lucas Niang, you know, can be a piece. That's, you draft a guy in the third round thinking he can play. Um, so, you know, assuming that he'll be back, I mean, they, you know, so they've got some stuff there, but that, that, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I think they need to get some guys, like I, some real guys, um, at tackle and maybe even the interior as well. That, that was just, that was a wreck. And I wouldn't say that if I thought, or if it's not me, but if, if Eric Fisher and Mitch Schwartz were going to be the starting tackles, um, week one, I, I'd have a whole different take for you right here, but I don't think the they certainly can't count on Fisher, and I don't think they can count on Schwartz there either. You know, the only the only little thing I'd add is not really so different, but we need to remember that Fisher and Schwartz are getting a little older anyway. Nope. Right? I mean, so they, it, I guess, there's different ways they can go about getting guys, and we'll see what they do with that. But I think that has to be tackle specific, right? It has to be a pretty big priority. You know, the other thing that kind of just interests me. And, and I, I haven't thought this through all the way, uh, but that, that's what you get out of me. Um, the receipt, you know, they'll have a decision to make with Sammy Watkins, right? And what that's going to do with some money. And I, I, I think the other thing that's interesting to me is have they identified who that other guy is that can make a difference, right? Yeah. Beyond Tyreek and Travis Kelsey, because that to me showed up in the Super Bowl a little bit. I mean, Sammy Watkins, you know, he played some snaps, but but he was a total non-factor. And you know, we've we've used this line before, but at some point, the best ability is availability, and and I just don't think they can count on him. So I think that that's another point of the, the pieces they have to think about. It's not a whole position group, but that might free up some money. Um, anyway, I I don't know. It 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 seems like that. I'm not. I'm okay with their defensive backfield right now. I feel like they've got the right guys. Um, maybe they need a, another another difference maker, but I'm not I'm not troubled by the defensive backfield. Maybe you guys are. No, I think on defense, um, you can always use defensive backs. Right? I mean, that's one of those positions like when you're trying to defend the pass, uh, and that's what matters now. You, you can always use more of those guys. But um, you know, if if the choice was you know, sort of a, a B plus, we'll say level um, defensive back or a B plus level edge rusher. Um, I, I think they have a bigger need at edge rush and which is a problem in some other ways, right? Because um, they can't do anything with Frank. They need Frank Clark to be good. You know, that, that can't be, um, that's not a contract that they can get out of or whatever, you know, they, they need him to be good. And, um, and I thought he was in, in the playoffs. It, it's a weird <laughs> career. It's a weird shouldn't say career, but it's a weird two seasons he's had in Kansas City where in the regular season consistently underperforms, you know, right? Like just compared to fair expectations based on the contract and what they gave up and everything. Um, and then in the playoffs, he plays pretty well. But, you know, they, they still need those kind of changing plays. They need more pressure on the quarterback. That that game was just – that was one at the line of scrimmage. And that's, what, that's something – that's not hindsight. We talked about that going in. That um, If Tom Brady is pressured – the same 
as Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs are going to win this game. Like the only way for the Bucs to win was to basically do exactly what they did. And I, uh, pressure Mahomes on, what was it, 29 of 56 dropbacks? Yeah, uh, according like to ESPN stats and info. I mean, that's incredible. And, and then I think more incredible is that Brady was pressured on four. <laughs> four times they got pressure on him. Like that's crazy. Uh, so that's what they need to adjust. And it's both. It's, it's the guys blocking Mahomes and it's the guy, it's the guys kind of going after the other team's quarterback as well. Hey, one other thing that so we chime in real quick that, that and, and we're all cognizant of this, but it is an interesting balancing act though, for them to try to, um, totally process and filter the Super Bowl itself versus the broader scheme of things, right? I mean, before the Super Bowl, this was a team that when they suited up the varsity, won 16 out of the 17 games. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's what you want. And um, so naturally you want to you uh, adapt to what you saw in the Super Bowl. You want to be playing for the championship, not just to get there. But I do think that that, that ought to, you know, give them some pause about, just how extreme this needs to be. I mean, I think you can really identify, and I think we've talked about it, the places that really need help, but I think we can remember this is still a pretty young nucleus. And when they get JJ Watt, that defense will be uh, even better. <laughs> Do they have any shot at JJ Watt? Well, that, is that a possibility or not really? I was just reading something. Uh, I think it was Peter King and it just, it sounded like Watt wants both to be paid um, and to go to a contender. And I think the, the chiefs can offer one of those. <laughs> right? um, I, I don't know that they can, that they can offer both just with, and, and they've got like the way that Mahomes contract, it, it's a half a billion dollars. So like, <laughs> like Mahomes isn't, you know, he's not being altruistic or whatever, but it, it just, the, the, the list of things that guy does is incredible and it, it should be included on there. Signed a half a billion dollar team friendly contract. Like, <laughs> that's never happened before. You know, they've got, they've got bonuses that they can convert. And I mean, they've got ways that they can create some space. They don't want to do it every year. Um, but you know, they, they've got some money hidden under rocks in, in some places. And so they, they can, they can adjust, they can address um, some issues. They, they can't address everything. You know, they can't go get J.J. Watt and um, Shaq Barrett is, is also, I think, a free agent. You know, they're not going to sign like both those guys and sign five all pros on the offensive line. You can't do that. But, um, you know, the, there has been, I think, in the last week, and I don't pay a ton of attention to it, to be fair, but at least in some circles sort of nationally, it seems like the Chiefs are being painted in a, I don't know, um, like that they have a, a – a bigger distance to, to close than I believe um, the offensive line is a wreck. They've got to address that. But otherwise, like you said, Vahe, I mean, that's a team that um, even with the Super Bowl went 16 and two, right. With, with the varsity and the two teams they lost to, they also beat, you know? So right. it's not right. like they're not that far. They're not, as, they're not 31 to nine away from, from another Super Bowl. They're in a really good place. If you, if you could buy stock, on what NFL franchise is going to have the most success in the next however many years. I think the, the Chiefs would be one of your first picks. There's still some salary cap issues they've got to sure. work out, and there's a thought that they won't be able to uh, bring back Fisher, Schwartz, and LDT, LDT on the contracts that they're on. Someone's going to, if, if they decide to go that route, someone's going to have to restructure. I think several people are going to have to restructure, Tyron Matthew being one of them as well. Um, 
speaking of the offensive line, they, they did draft Lucas Niang in the third round last year, and of course he opted out. But I, 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 I think a priority has to be, the thinking has to be, you know, who, who are we going to acquire either in the draft or through free agency that's going to help Patrick Mahomes in this offense? And, um, and, and so I, I do think there needs to be more attention paid to offensive line in this year's draft. Before Lucas Niang, you had Nick Allegretti as the only Brett Veach offensive line draft choice, I believe. So um, I think they need to spend more time look on that position in the or at that position group in the draft. All right, hey guys, let's take a break, and uh, when we come back, let's switch sports. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice. Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash SportsBeatKC offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Back with Sam Mellinger and Bonhe Gregorian talking all things sports in Kansas City. And last week, the Royals made a big deal. Um, they acquired Andrew Benatendi. Sometimes I have to say it in my mind first before I can, you know, pronounce it. Ben Intendi uh, from the Boston Red Sox, left fielder, and uh, gave up Franchi Cordero to the Red Sox and Khalil Lee to the New York Mets. It was a three-way deal. Um, all the reviews I've seen have been pretty positive for um, – for the Royals end of this, and and even in Boston, they're they're seeing it as a relatively uh, good deal for them, and uh, and it's not complete, right? There's still a couple of players to be. The Royals are going to have to give up a couple more players that we don't know the identity of them yet, but uh, I think that this move indicates uh, that Dayton Moore uh, is not is not looking at a window for playoff opportunity in two or three years. This move suggests that, uh, that the Royals are playing for now, and whether it works out that way or not, I, I, I like the boldness of the move. And, and it is a, the Royals had a hole, and they filled it, and they filled it with a player they had identified back in November, and they got this done. Sam, are you thumbs up with this? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a weird thing, right? That. Um, because of salary reasons, Boston has to trade a good player to Kansas City. You know, like it's a, just a weird, it's a weird deal. But um, he fits. I think Benintendi like fits um, in 
every way that I can think of, at least at the moment. Like he fits in a specific baseball way. They've got a position open. Um, they wanted a left-handed bat. Um, the Royals, and they're not alone in this, but the Royals love former top prospects. And, and this guy was once the number one prospect in, in, in all of baseball. They believe in talent. It's, it's a bet on their coaching staff. It's a bet on their culture that that can bring out, you know, the best in him. Um, it, it's Dayton has always been super aware of sort of messages that are being sent to, to the clubhouse. Um, he doesn't want this to be 2006, you know, where it's the Royals are a place you go when you can't go anywhere else. You know, he wants them to believe that they're, they're trying to win. You, 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 you develop by winning and you win by developing, you know, Dayton says that sometimes. Um, and that's what this is there as well. Um, the only thing I don't like about the deal is that they only, he only has two years of club control. Um, you know, I wish, I wish he had more, uh, but, you know, I think Khalil Lee, he was on all the top 100 prospect list before the, not last season, but before the, the 19 season. Um, but he strikes out a lot and he doesn't hit for power. And that's a, that's a rough skill set uh, once you get to the big leagues. And Cordero, um, you know, it, it doesn't take like a trained baseball eye to see the physical talent in that guy. I mean, he does some stuff that just pops off the screen um, if you're watching on TV, but um, he just can't, guy can't stay healthy, you know, and they wanted him to play every day. They felt like they owed that to him and to themselves. But I think they felt like they, they, they bought, I don't know if this is the right way to say it, but they bought some certainty. They bought a little bit more certainty with Benintendi compared to Cordero. And moving forward, it's a lineup that has some length to it now. Um, you know, I, I think they feel like, you know, they, they can contend even with a loaded AL Central. I'm, I'm, look, I'm all aboard for all, all the reasons Sam said that I can't possibly articulate as well. But I, I like uh, I like where they are with this. I think it kind of clarifies the lineup, gives it length, as, as Sam put it. Um, also, what I'm liking about the Zoom call is the way <laughs> – is this the way it's going to go, Blair? We, we're seeing Sam. <laughs> just shift, shift from locale to locale. <laughs> All right, guys, no, I, um, just <laughs> – you know, some, some atmosphere. Here's the reason for the, yeah. All right. Um, but, uh, it, you know, the thing is, I, I think what, what's kind of neat about the situation is it reminds us that they are, they're striving, right? You have to give up something to get something. And I, I think there, there's a little, a little element of urgency here that, that, uh, not only is a message to the clubhouse, but you know, message to the city, um, so I think they'll be intriguing, and and I, boy, what a what a winner for them, really. I mean, I I think you know Santana and and Mike Miner and and Michael Taylor, and I mean it's it going back to Sam's other point. You know, they like guys who were, um, you know, sort of top prospect type things, and I think that's what we're we're, we're seeing. They're gonna they're gonna take a you know gamble's too strong a word maybe, but they're they're betting on themselves to to. Uh, get the best out of these guys at this stage. Yeah, they, they they believe in like what they've built internally, their their coaches and just their culture. <clears throat> and then so their bet in very broad strokes, I think, is to bring this talent in and they believe the talent will flourish um, in, in that culture. It, it's a really, you know, um, look, John Sherman's, you know, time in the seat is, is still too short to make any like grand declarations. But um, that that part of it too, I think, is another positive that, you know, when this thing hit, when the world shut down, the thing that John started telling everybody in the front office, coaching staff, business 
operations, everything is we got to figure out how to be better when this thing is over. Like how, how do we get better coming out of it than we are going into it? And, you know, that's where all this stuff begins from the, um, you know, the way they treated the minor leaguers last year, they added baseball operations staff when a lot of other franchises were shedding, um, you know, they are, you know, it's impossible to say, right. Like how much of, of, you know, what you just said by like the um, Santana minor uh, Taylor to a lesser degree, but been intending now, like how much of that is them sort of zigging when other clubs are zagging um, and, and seeing a, a, you know, a little bit more of an opening than maybe they would in normal times, but it, it's all those things too. I mean, that, that's another thing, like it, it fits them like baseball culturally broad, they're, they're 30,000 foot, you know, sort of uh, plan on how to attack this thing. It's, it's, uh, it, it's a really, really interesting. And I think kind of defining move for who they are and, and what they want to be. One thing I really like about Benintendi is his on-base percentage and, mm-hmm. uh, and Santana as well. And it looked like the Royals, you know, they, they, they love those two guys enough to bring them in and they, they come in with the ability to get on base. And what I, what I don't like about that is the Royals don't seem to be able to fix that problem with players that come through their organization, you know, yeah. um, this was a team that I think I saw this tied for 26th in Major League Baseball and on-base percentage in the shortened year. And gosh, even going back to their pennant-winning teams, you know, that was a always put the ball in play, and they just had great ability in a long lineup. And uh, but but w- without the long lineup, the last couple of years, you had guys that struck out a lot, who did never seem to get on base, who were swinging at three and O pitches all the time, and and and. Um, I, I, I wish I've seen other organizations make that type of thing a priority. I wish the Royals would would have done that, but nevertheless, um, they 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 do you know they they do add to their lineup guys that they get on base, and uh, I, I Look, think that Blair, could, I've got two words for you: Esky Magic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the other well, part of that. Um, this is a little bit of a tangent that I don't know how far we want to go down, but the Royals always believe in athleticism, right? Um, some of that is just sort of where the front office is philosophically. Some of it is the biggest outfield in the American league, um, but they've always believed in athleticism and um, like top shelf athletes who also get on base a lot <laughs> are, are really, you know, kind of hard to find, but um, you know, the uh, um, shoot, what was the other point? I'll come back to it. <laughs> Well, one of the what goes hand in hand with uh, not taking walks, um, and and uh, you know you're you're always surprised when when you see you know Salvador Perez he's on base via walk. I, I see the light bulb over your head, Sam. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's also a bet. This trade, I think, um, I think what the Royals are saying, unless one of these guys is the player to be named, but um, it's it's telling you how much they believe in Isbell, um, you know, to come in and and sort of be an outfield spot, Nick Heath, you know, can do some of the, like a lot of the things that Khalil Lee. So that, I mean, they, they had a little bit and they don't have a, in a lot of places on the position side, um, but a little bit of redundancy. And I think the Royals are saying they believe in those guys. Isabel has been a guy that, um, you know, to Dayton and one other guy in the front office before the draft. And they were, they were really hoping, you know, that, that, that he would fall to them. Um, they saw him a lot and, and loved sort of him as a player and a person. Um, and I, I think they're saying that they believe in that guy a lot going forward too. It also helps Nicky Lopez, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. uh, all of a sudden, you know, Nicky Lopez isn't just the, the only left-handed, pure left-handed hitter in the, in the lineup and they can, 
you know, you, you can waste it out at the bottom of the order uh, in exchange for his good defense. You don't have to bring Whit Merrifield in to play second base. And um, yep. there's just a lot of, um, you know, a lot of mitigating factors with the, with Benintendi. So will, will Whit benefit greatly from playing one position more or not? Not really. I mean, he's going to be, he's, he's kind of amazingly consistent anyway. I think it's good for him to not play center field. You know, um, I, I don't think he's great as a right fielder, just defensively, but um, I thought center field was just not, especially for what the Royals think they are and want to be. That was just, that was an awkward fit. Um, you know, second base is his best spot, but I think he's, you know, when is a, enough of a team player to, you know, recognize that his versatility is, is a lot of his value and, um, and, and that they can move him around. But yeah, um, I, I'd feel better about him at second base than right field, but I feel a lot better about him in right field than center. And one last thought for me on Benintendi, I just, I, I, I'd project him to be a 40 doubles guy at, uh, with, in a Royals uniform. You know, he was, you know, he changed his swing a little bit his last year in Boston to last full year in Boston to, uh, try to gain a little more power. I, I think what the Royals need from him and what he'll uh, what he'll excel at is being a contact hitter, a gap hitter, and uh, you know rolling the ball to the wall and and being a being a doubles guy at at the K. So, all right, guys, I enjoyed the conversation. Um, but I want hey, Vahe, I wanted to ask you this: How are you letting your dogs out? Uh, uh, what what are you doing? It's it's minus. Eight as we speak. Yeah, minus thirty-one wind chill this morning. How are the dogs handling? Well, the, the one of the dogs is part husky, and he doesn't even want to go out. <laughs> so you know, we we've got a little opportunity. We can let them out in the back, and uh, let's say they've let's just say they've used the deck more than they normally would instead of going all the way out. Um, and Saturday was the cutoff. I I try to go. You know, I'll go. I'll go to zero. I mean, I'll, I'll get out there and bundle up. I, I feel like it's good for me, but that haven't walked them since then. So they're just getting backyard uh, duty. I don't know what's going on with Frankie over at Sam's house. How, how are you guys treating that? She's confused, man. Like she wants to go out constantly. And then she remembers how cold it is. <laughs> you know, and then she wants to come right back in. She's, I feel terrible for her. She, you know, um, well, you can just tell like the pause. It's like, the opposite, right, uh, of walking on like hot coals, but that's what it looks like sometimes. I'm just like, oop, 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 trying to keep the paws up. Um, and this is, I, look, I love the cold, but this is just, <laughs> it's, it's hard to defend. You got pushed are getting frozen. I mean, yeah, it's, it's 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 rough out here. Blair, uh, I hate to publicly acknowledge that you have a cat, but um, what, are, you, are you letting it in? <laughs> That was amazing. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> Blair's going to cut off this part of the show. I can guarantee you. <laughs> I try to let it out. Um, it, it, <laughs> keep the door open for as long as I can hold it open and, uh, and and maybe nudge it a little bit and try to, you know, it can go from the front to the back pretty easily and pretty quickly, but no, it, it, it doesn't want to go out. So, um, so no, so it lays on the bed all day like cats do. So. <laughs> but it but you're right sam it's i think we I, we've had days like this what we haven't had are prolonged days quite like this and you know, million percent yeah maybe, maybe yeah. another day of this and until it gets out of the ridiculous zone so and and there's four people in texas dealing with the snow i was another huge pile up uh 
today out in western near El Paso. I saw them on I-10. Just oh, uh, uh, they have more snow in Texas than we've had up here. So it's 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 mm-hmm. really really been something. And those people, man, like you, you get just a dusting in Texas, and they freak out. Like they, they, don't, they don't know what the hell. Yeah, and not, not ready for it. You don't, you don't see the salt, uh, the salt and sand silos, right? You know, in th- that part of the country. Right. Hey, I, I do have to say, uh, uh, hats off to KC Mo on uh, street treatment. Um, we've had some moments of criticism of of, uh, of that in the past, but uh, it's been easy to get around. I'm glad. I'm actually glad to hear that. Um, that, that that's good to hear. It's same in Johnson County. They've done a nice job here in in, in Joko Land. So, all right, guys. Let's uh, next time we talk, we'll uh, we'll we'll do a little college basketball. And uh, as we get closer to the NCAA tournament, and uh, Missouri's having a season, even after going 0 and 2 last week, um, and uh, Kansas is still trying to figure things out. So, and then Kansas State, boy. Well, we'll talk about it. Uh, we'll talk about all of it next time we chat. Bye, hey, Sam. Thanks a lot, you guys. Thanks, okay. Blair. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to Sam Mellinger and Vahe Gregorian for stopping by and talking Chiefs and Royals. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we have another deal for you. For a limited time, you can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month, unless you cancel. How do you get it? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. Do you want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of these offers, send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com, and we will get you to the right place. So whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports Beat KC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Tuesday with another episode. Mm-hmm.